Are you living your best life as a salesperson or entrepreneur? Or do you find you're working all the time on this hamster wheel of life while stressed out and not financially free, which is the exact opposite of what you had signed up for, especially now in this global pandemic? If this is you, you are not alone. I found myself there in 2008 when I lost everything, including my health, and had to pivot working from home for the first time with no money. I rebuilt my life from scratch, juggling motherhood and marriage to get my life back and be recession and pandemic proof today. Now we live laptop lifestyles with our kids and are poised to travel the world together. How did we do it? Join me as I share my health and wealth and wisdom secrets, tips, tools, and expert interviews to equip you to be recession-proof and live your best life. My name is Lois Kofi, and this is Healthy and Wealthy and Wise. Well, all right, all right, all right. Happy Friday. It's that time again. Welcome back, everyone. Super excited. Coach Lois here, podcast host, tuning in live from, yes, Cabo San Lucas. So I know some of you guys are probably uh, jealous. I didn't want to do the show poolside with drinks because I figure you wouldn't be able to focus on the big value and content we're going to get from our amazing guest today. So if you're tuning in for the first time, I just always like to say welcome. Um, Here we are on this show, always bringing you amazing health experts, wealth experts, wisdom to help you live your best life. So if you're tuning in live, you know the deal. Um, Hashtag live comment below. Where are you tuning in from? And if you're finding us later in iTunes or if you're finding us later in Facebook, join my community at healthyandwealthyandwise.com. You'll also get to see the recording and then, of course, can join our Facebook community to meet our amazing guest today. All of my guests are inside of my community, so I do invite you to come in and connect because we have an amazing group of positive, like-minded, supportive people who are here to, as the prince would say, get through this thing called life, but not only get through it, um, be able to really thrive through it. And I'm super excited. I'm just going to go ahead, uh, reminding you guys too, if you, if you want to, if you see value, hit the share button, whether it's on the replay or the live. And after a little while, if you have questions, please comment below with the questions so I can ask our amazing guest today, um, what your burning questions are, what you would like to learn. So I am excited because if you haven't heard of Tracy Brinkman before, his name came to me last year as like one of the best guests, one of the best podcast hosts out there. And he was kind of like a legend. So I was like, oh my God, I got to have this guy on my show because I just heard so many good things about you, Tracy. And, and, And Tracy is a business coach, success coach, uh, he's also, like I said, a podcast host. You're going to check out Driven Dark Horse Entrepreneurs. I'm actually going to be a, a guest fairly soon, I think. So excited to be on there. He's all the way from Wisconsin, as I, being a former Midwesterner, I love to always say that. It's just so fun. And he loves motorcycles and prints. So we're going to be talking about prints later. And so I'm going to just turn it over to you, Tracy. Thank you so much for being here today. I'd love for you to share your story because you have a powerful story. So take it away. Well, first off, thank you for saying Wisconsin, right? Right. That's, that's very <laughs> important. That's more important than ever getting anyone's name, right? Just make sure you say, <laughs> say it right. It's like, you know, Minnesota, right? You got to say it like that too. My yeah, story, sure. you know, is, yeah, sure. You betcha. <laughs> it, 
My, my actually, my dad uh, was born and raised in Southern Minnesota, so I I grew huh? up with that the lots, and that actually pivots right into my story. Is uh, uh, one of the cool things about me growing up was my dad was a 23 year uh, United States Army veteran, right? So I was lucky enough to grow up all over the United States, you know, from the Midwest over to the West Coast, uh, mostly in Northern Washington. Uh, spent a total of six years growing up in Germany, which was really cool because I'm of German heritage. So I grew up speaking the language in the house, you know, talking to grandma and grandpa. So when we were over in Germany, uh, you know, it was just natural for me to get out there and be able to talk to folks, which really and it brought a lot out of me, right? I, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm in a foreign country and what do I do? All uh, right. Uh, plus, my dad was one of these guys. If uh, if you think about the cliche military sergeant, that was my dad, right? Big barrel of a man. He was six three. Looked like he should have been a linebacker, uh, but just a uh, just a cuddly teddy bear. So this. Yeah, this moving all the time probably brought out uh, my sense of humor, my willingness, and des- you know, just really desire to connect with people at at, uh, at past that superficial level. You know, past the oh hi, how are you? What, what's your name? Kind of thing. You know, really get to know them and uh, you know, make jokes about them, get to you know them better to uh, uh, again build that connection. Uh, and so my dad retires. I'm probably in my early teens. Actually, it was in my early teens, and we settled into Southern California. And I was mentioning to you earlier before we started this that I used to be a SoCal boy. And what was good and bad about that was I went from a very structured environment. It wasn't like super disciplined, but when you're in the military, you're, there's a there's a structure for everything, right? To, as you know, probably one of the most liberal places, not just on the planet, but certainly within the United States, uh, uh, you know, the Los Angeles area. So uh, I went, freedom! <laughs> right about the same time, a young man is beginning to test the boundaries of his parents and society anyway. Oh, Talk about the double whammy. I started, uh, you know, hanging out with kids I probably shouldn't have been hanging out with, which was further driven by the fact that I was learning in this new school I was in in Southern California, stuff I had learned two and three year, years ago. So I was now bored in school. I was always a good student, but now I'm bored. I like, uh, started skipping, hanging out with these kids, going surfing, doing things I shouldn't have been doing, you know, and... Uh, that afforded me the opportunity to check myself. And it got to the point where I was doing, I was borrowing cars that uh, weren't mine. Okay. Let's just be honest, right? I'm just going to put it out there. I was doing really naughty things. And, uh, you know, still the car, I was sitting in front of a school. Cop comes over and says, uh, what you doing here? Now, here I am. I'm probably 19 at the time or 18 at the time, sitting in front of an elementary school waiting for a friend so I could drive them home. Talk about looking sketchy, right? So someone called mm-hmm. the police. Hey, there's this guy sitting out there. And, uh, you know, I called my mom and dad from uh, from jail. Hey, can you come get me? And that was, the, uh, that was one of the opportunities of, well, you could do one of two things. You could sit in jail <laughs> or you can join the service. Um, I decided to go join the service and did six years. And I don't want it to sound like a prison sentence because, you know, I really enjoyed it. I actually requested to go back to Germany. 
and mm. loved it over there, came back from my time in the military with a new set of skills and started a uh, computer consulting business in Southern California. This was right at the dot-com boom when computers were just starting to land on everyone's, you know, desktops and everything. And so it was going really well. You know, I probably had the first real money in my hands and in my pockets on a consistent basis. I'd been an entrepreneur since day one. I was selling, you know, uh, pencils to kids in elementary school, selling drawings and in later in school. And then, you know, started doing uh, car customizations in my teen years, you know, installing stereos, doing paint jobs. So I'd always been a hustler from day one. And so now I'm doing this hustling at a, I'll call it a professional level. However, being back in Southern California and having real money in my hand, this was just about the time when uh, cocaine really burst onto the scene in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone's seen the movie Blow, it's a great example of the timeline. Um, I got introduced to not so much cocaine, but crystal meth at this time. And getting big computer projects, you know, the, one of the best things you can tell someone is, I can get that done in three weeks, right? Well, you're going to push the envelope on that and getting introduced to something like speed that will allow you to stay up for a day or two straight was like, are you serious? You mean, and I could be functional and you know, you're sitting in a computer programming going like crazy and it's all well and good. Like anyone who's been addicted to anything, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever, you know, television, it's all fine in the beginning but then you get sucked down into this abyss, right? And that's what happened. You know, it was like in the first couple of times, like, oh, this is cool. Oh, then you fall asleep. You're good. Uh, then you start taking it more and more and more. And you start paying less attention to those you care about, to your health, to your business. And unfortunately, because of my ability to connect with people, I was able to get people to sell for me to support my own habit. And I don't say that to brag, right? I just calling it like it is. And it got to the point where literally the police kicked in the door to my condo. And uh, I was out uh, partying. I I probably left on a Thursday night and I came back Sunday morning from just this three, four day party binge. And I saw the door had been kicked open. And it's just like you see on the television shows, right? There's furniture's tossed everywhere, clothes thrown around, you know, uh, rice crispy treats and fruity pebbles dumped all over the counters. They were looking for whatever it was they were looking for. And I know what they were looking for. And so do you now. Um, But someone had ratted me out. So I I was now on the radar. And while I was, you know, starting to look around and straighten up, a couple of detectives knock on the door. And are you Mr. Brinkman? Uh, yes. Do you have any ID? Well, let me pause the story right here. <laughs> that Thursday before I went out and started the party binge, a buddy of mine, uh, I'm, you know, I call him a brother at the time, we went to the firing range. And I didn't own any weapons, which is probably a bad thing to have when you're in this environment. Um, mm. And so when we were at the firing range, you know, I was having such a great time shooting. He had a 357 Magnum and this 45, just some really nice weapons. And I was having such a good time. He said, hey, do you mind if I hold on to these? And I want to come back to the firing range either Friday or Saturday. He said, sure, no problem. And... Uh, I never made it back to the firing range, and they were in my briefcase with my wallet. Now, let's, let's take you back to where the, the, the detectives had asked for you, do you have any ID? Sure, it's right over here in my wallet, in my briefcase. 
I wasn't thinking straight, obviously drug-induced. I go and I open the briefcase, and I probably got the briefcase four inches open. One of the detectives yelled, gun, tackles me down, instantly handcuffs me onto my couch, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. If I would, if, if the roles were reversed, I'd have done the exact mm-hmm. same thing, right? Um, so they take me down to the police station, and uh, you know, I get pepper. Actually, they, they leave me in the uh, the holding cell for a couple of hours easily. They get me into an interrogation room, and they asked a lot of questions that they should not have known the answers to. You were like, "How do you know that you, you, you're?" I'm thinking, sitting there thinking in my head. How do they know these names? They knew way too much about the circle I was running in. And uh, I refused to say anything, acknowledge any names, anything like that. Uh, you know, I was willing to uh, go to jail for the mistakes I had made. I had no problem with that. And I mm. wasn't going to give anybody up in the process. And they finally let me go. And I'm on my walk home, which was probably a good hour and a half walk from, you know, uh, Anaheim police headquarters to where I lived. And uh, I was thinking uh, of this voice of my father in my head, who was always a family first guy, you Mm. know, family first, family first. Well, add another layer of complexity to this. I had a four-month-old baby when this happened. And I'm walking home and I'm thinking, family first, you are an asshole, right? It's not just you anymore. It's this new life that you have brought into the world. How can you say you love her and still put her into this kind of a situation or risk? So I get home and I call mom and dad and say, mom, dad, we need to talk. I need some help. And I don't want to talk about it over the phone. And so I get to mom and dad's house and, you know, almost literally on my knees, begging, mom, dad, please, I need to get out of this environment. And the only way I know I can do it is to completely disconnect from it. Uh, They lived only 16 miles away, but as you know, being in San Diego, being 16 miles away in a city like Los Angeles could be completely different environments. Um, and so they were like, yeah, sure, c- come on over. And, uh, you know, they set me up with a, a bedroom in the garage. They used my old bedroom uh, for my daughter. Mom took care of my daughter while I uh, got off the drugs. And I did it cold turkey. It wasn't, I didn't go to rehab. I just said, you know, mom, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to sit out here and I'm probably going to sleep for three, four days. You know, I'll probably get up to do biological things. She goes, don't you worry. I got you. Right. And God love my mom and dad and my brother from another mother for Mm -hmm. being there for me. And for anyone who's maybe listening now or listen to the the future episodes of this uh, if you're in a situation like that reach out to anybody you trust because going in alone super super tough i would not i'm not saying you can't do it you you could it's just going to be super super hard and if it hadn't been for my mom and dad uh, i know i wouldn't have uh, cracked out of it and yeah, the the other side of that is I had this great skill set. So now I'm clean, right? Let's say it's three weeks later. It probably took me a good three weeks to really get to the point where I'm getting up and being functional again. And oh. uh, I had still had this great computer skill set, but I had taken such a kick to the head, right? Emotionally, it, my self-confidence was dashed. So rather than go out and risk 
didn't I see you out there selling drugs on, uh, you know, at the club the other nights mm-hmm. as I was trying to entertain, you know, new jobs in, in, in the computer industry, I just went out and started doing things like working in warehouses, uh, I, you know, going to those temporary agencies and working in an office and, and anything like that to build my self-confidence back up. And after about, I was, it was probably about eight, nine months of doing these various roles, I felt good enough to put myself back out in the market. But I was still risking, I was concerned about the, you know, the highs and lows that come with entrepreneurship. You know, we all say, oh gosh, er, um, and the fact that I had this daughter. So I put myself out in the corporate America uh, market, landed a great role at the Coca-Cola company, which started my corporate America climb. And, uh, you know, there, good piece of that is i want to say the rest of that is history i mean i worked for them for like 12 years you know rocketing up going out to working at their their uh, um their headquarters in atlanta and uh it's learning so much along the process and i'm not sure if we want to dig in anywhere i mean there's obviously more to the story but i don't want to sit here and babble and bore anyone <laughs> you know there's the the piece later on where you know i lost my 18 month old daughter which was probably the next major dip in my life that was like oh my god are you serious what what else can happen but there are lessons from all these things if you're willing to look at them right if if i if i pause for a moment and uh, and i've done the reflection and Anyone who's done, you know, that the self-help or the self-development or that internal look at themselves, you know, like Michael Jackson says, you know, the man in the mirror, um, mm-hmm. he, you know, it's not easy. If you're honest with yourself, it, it's it's not easy. It never is. And it's not meant to be easy. But the thing is, you can learn so much. And when I took the time to look back into that black hole of time when I was into the drug scene and how much I gave up and the risk that I put my my family in, not just my daughter, myself, but you know, obviously it could have bled over into my my brother and my and my parents as well. And uh, why? The answers that came out of that gave me a whole new trajectory and started me on this this awesome path, which helped me on my, I'll call it a meteoric rise at Coca-Cola, only to be, you know, slapped in the head again with, uh, you know, God, Allah, whatever power you believe in, uh, bringing into my world uh, my my second daughter, Krista, but she was born with a defended abdomen, which basically means she had this huge tummy that was a result of one of her arteries not developing enough to develop her intestinal tract. You know, you and I, when we were born, we may have had 200 centimeters of intestinal tract. She was born with 12. So mm. she did not have enough intestinal tract to absorb the uh, n- nutrition that she needed, you know, through, you know, normal eating. In the first three months of her life, she went through six major surgeries. And they did everything they could to stabilize her. They even took the intestine and, and split it up. And for those watching the video, you know, uh, if you've ever seen an intestine, all the arteries are all just, it's this maze of things. But there's a way they were able to split it up, form two smaller tubes and connect those tubes end to end. And they were hoping that would give her enough surface because that's, you know, your large and your small intestine is where you absorb those nutrients. Um, it, it still wasn't. So now they get her stabilized and they get her on the organ donor list. Meanwhile, 
Tracy has found his passion for public speaking and is out there telling anybody who's willing to listen and a few that weren't willing to listen about the benefits of being an organ donor. Uh, and that started my getting out in and being in the public eye, uh, being a speaker out in the open, went through Toastmasters and whole nine yards anyway. Um, and sadly, you know, you're, you already know the end of this story. She was doing well. We were waiting for, waiting for her to be, you know, get her organs. And uh, one of the aides at the hospital up in Pittsburgh where they had moved her to, cause that's where the, uh, the operation would take place. One of the aides um, lost control, you know, it was holding her on her hip and slipped and she literally fell on her head. So here this poor baby is fighting all this shit in her life, right? Her body is just doing everything it can to keep her alive. Um, and, and one of the things, and I want to backtrack just for a minute, one of the operations that she went through was to install this thing. It's called a TPN line which is total parental nutrition. And literally it's a line that went, was surgically implanted right above her heart. And this fluid that would come out would be the, all the raw nutrition that we need as humans to live. So it's, this is being pumped into her because like I said, she couldn't eat enough to, to take it in. And so the body being this amazing tool that it is, as we all know, says, oh, well, you don't need me to filter anything, so you don't need this liver, right? So now her liver starts deteriorating. So now she needs a liver and a small bowel transplant. And she's mm -hmm. looking all – well, she actually looked like she was tan, but she was jaundice, mm -hmm. right? So she had this tan skin, bright blue eyes, and this golden hair. She looked like the Gerber baby. No, no exaggeration. She, I, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, biased. She was a beautiful child. Right, and everyone that saw her saw that, and everything was interesting to her. But after the 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 fall and the the you know the contusion on her head, just big banana shaped contusion on her head, um, she started going downhill really fast, and uh, that was about seventeen months in. And anyone who's a parent will get what I'm about to say. If you look at your child, you know something's wrong. It may be emotional. It may be physical. It may be just their mood, right? But you know there's something wrong. You may not know what it is, but you can feel that. Well, I flew up from Atlanta to go see her one weekend, which we did most of the weekends. Um, and I walked into her room, and that's the feeling I got. There's something wrong, right? And over the course of the day, right, I could always get her to laugh. It was just one of the things I always felt good about being able to do. I, no luck. So when the doctor comes in on his rounds, I asked him, if you had the organs right now, would she survive the operation? I got a lot of him and hawing, a lot of doctors speak, and uh, literally, no joke, grabbed him by the, his white coat, pulled him into a janitor's closet down the hall, and closed the door. I said, look, it's just you and me, right? There's no hospital administrator, no, no insurance companies. I need, to re I need a real answer, and I re-asked the question, and I finally got an answer. It was like, no. Okay, not the answer I wanted, but at least now I got a baseline, right? Right. All right. Okay. So do you think her health would improve to the point where she could survive? A little more him and harm, but finally, again, he didn't believe her health was going to improve. Actually, he felt her health was going to continue to deteriorate because she was struggling so hard just to stay where she's at. 
All right. Now, at this point in time, she's on a respirator. And that's the thing that's keeping her breathing. So here's the question. Do you leave her on the respirator? And this is a reflection moment for everybody. Uh, and it wasn't an instant answer. I mean, I went, left the room for a bit and sat. And it was like I was reflecting back to my drug days of, of all things. And I, I reflected back to that in the times that I had looked back at, into that abyss before. And I thought to myself, you know, one of the big faults that got me into that trouble was my selfishness. Right? It was all about me. It was all about me having fun, me making money, me doing this, me doing whatever. It was me, 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 right? And I needed to turn away from me and start looking at you know the future, uh, my, my daughter, my family, my legacy, whatever you want to call it. And so sitting down in that bench, rethinking re about this, if I kept her here on the respirator, it would be for me right? It would be so I could come see her beautiful face. It would be so I wouldn't miss her, so I wouldn't hurt, even though she was in pain dealing with everything she's dealing with. So it felt selfish to keep her here. And, and this is a personal question that anybody faced with, whatever choice you make, God love you, I respect it. Hope you never have to make it. I've known many people that I've disliked. I've never disliked someone so much to want them to have to face this, right? So made the tough choice, had them remove the respirator, wrapped her up in her favorite blanket, and literally rocked her to sleep one last time. And sorry. <laughs> um, it was a blessing and a curse, right? Like I was saying, I, I would never wish this on anybody. But for me, it was a blessing because I got to be there to tell her <clears> – <throat> thank you for all the amazing things that you've taught me all the things sorry <laughs> i may have missed otherwise you know the to look at the world through new eyes if anyone's seen et you know you remember the scene where he sticks his finger out to touch and it's glowing well she had a very similar thing every time she saw something new in her world whether it was a piece of food a toy even a, a pet if it was brand new and she'd never seen it before, she'd reach out with that one finger and she would touch it before anything. It was very tender. It was very, oh, okay, it's good. And then once she touched it and it was safe, it was in her mouth like any other baby, right? playing with it, whatever else. And it was watching her go through these things and thinking to myself, my God, look how she looks at the world, right? How people see her. She's going through all this shit in her life. And people are all like, oh, you're so beautiful. And she's all smiling out to you, right? And, you know, so I told her, thank you for showing me how to see the world through these type of lenses that I was going to do her the honor to try and share that out via my life with anyone who's willing to listen and probably a few that aren't willing, right? And uh, so that's what I continue to do uh, to this day. Um, and the the only other thing that, has happened I'll call negative in my world would have been um, a very toxic relationship uh, the mother of, of Krista after this um, held a lot of things in where me I was letting a lot of things out through creativity through anything through my work I mean I threw myself in my work and into personal development and that kept me from going back to that selfish path 
that's my that's my view, my opinion. Um, and so we, you know, she's doing this path that she was already on. And meanwhile, you know, one degree at a time, I'm going over here. And next thing you know, you know, we have we're almost polar opposites and yeah, each other's throats all the time and the whole nine yards. And, you know, I finally had to realize and anyone who's got a toxic relationship in their lives, I want you to hear this. You're worthy. Right. So many times we think, oh, I have to stay there through this relationship for the kids or for the finances or because I love them or uh, no, right? You got to love yourself first. And I realized I was worth more than how I, what I was getting and how I was being treated in that relationship. Mm -hmm. So it was like, uh, walked up to her one time. I, I don't think I can do this anymore. And she goes, yeah, I don't think so either. And it was like, what? It was, I mean, that part, that part of the separation was, the, you know, the after effects, uh, effects of it were not easy. But the moment I, that I dreaded was saying, I don't think I can do this anymore, was really easy. Went our separate ways. And then, you know, the whole ugly divorce battle uh, ensued. But that, uh, that was big dip, roller coaster dip number three. And since then, life has been pretty freaking awesome, if you ask me. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh, Tracy. I, <clears throat> this is so powerful. You, you gave so much and I feel like I'm going to have to have you come back on for another show just to unpack the, the power. I mean, I wrote some words out. I, I love when you said you are worthy. You know, a lot of times I think a lot of people live in, in fear and you, you, you talked about Absolutely. addictions earlier and I've, I did a podcast episode about um, that you know, society is addicted to fear. We're, we're, we're surrounded by those, those options, right? Whether it's drugs, alcohol, yeah. worry is an addiction. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not just about the quote unquote, the bad things. Um, you know, sure. so if you haven't, if you haven't already, have you heard of this book when society becomes an addict? Ah, no, I have not. I'm actually going to write that down. Right you just, now. you just reminded me of that. And I, I share that with, because, you know, you, we, we face our demons all in different ways. We numb out in all different ways, whether it's social media, you know, addiction to the phone, right. It's sitting right here next to me at all times. And we, we use those things as avoidance mechanisms to understand what I believe you said was you are, you are worthy. And, yeah. and so how, if you could summarize in the next five to seven minutes, as we close it out here, sure. if you had like Three key things. Obviously, I heard you say a lot about the reflection. You were big on that and reflection. What did you learn so you didn't repeat the same mm -hmm. mistakes, which is huge as an entrepreneur. But what else? Any quick, like one or two more like tips that people who are listening can go out and reflect upon. Hopefully you guys took notes and got a lot out of his just his story. Um, you can learn so much. But is there like one or two more things that you would like to impart upon our entrepreneurs and, and, and you know, anything else that you can share that they can go no. and take action on today? Absolutely. I think the, the first one you mentioned, obviously, is that reflection. And, and I think that reflection needs to become um, a habit, right? Because it's uncomfortable, right? It's not easy. But then again, you know, if you're a four foot three person in the ninth grade, right? Playing basketball is uncomfortable and isn't easy, but as you continue to play, yeah, I'll never make the I'll never make the you know the slam dunk, 
but at least I can shoot the hoop and, and make some three pointers and, and what have you. It gets easier. So, you know, continue to do it and make it a, a habit because what you're, what you're going to find is when you go back and do it a second time or a third time, you're going to unearth new gems. You know, so if I, I go back you know, every once in a while and, and relook at those past trials and tribulations, and I still find new gems, right? You find, uh, I was selfish. I don't want to be selfish anymore, right? I want to look at the world through new eyes, and I don't want to do it anymore. And then I am worthy. I mean, those are like three right there. And I know when I do my annual review at the end of summer, <laughs> yeah, I do it at the end of summer. I don't know why, but I'll find... And I'll, I'll work it into my life. It, it's just that part of pro- – so many people will do this in their business, right? How many times have you sat down? Let's do our annual business planning. How did things do, go last year? What worked? What didn't work? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Up, light, breath, down. We tried this. It didn't work. Okay. Now, let's take that education and put it into our business planning moving forward. Let's do the same thing with our lives, right? Look back at the past year. Good, bad, ugly. Ooh, I, I had this big fight. Well, why did you have the big fight? Was it you? Was it them? You know, whatever it is. And then roll that into your life going forward. I love that. And you said something in the, it, it's going to be in the show notes, but you said a really cool quote. I'm going to put this up on the screen. And then there's a couple of listeners who are giving you shout outs. You said, you realize life isn't fair and participation awards do not feed your family or your drive to succeed. And I, I, I here I am in the total transparency. I'm here in Cabo on this amazing free trip that I won because of a sales award. Right. And like many last year, I had this huge awakening. I was on a hamster wheel, always going for success, always going for the next mm-hmm. trophy, always going for the next trip, you know, always those notches on our belt to, to fill maybe, you know, a pain or a void or a trauma from, from my past life or looking for approval. So when I read that, that's what I get out of that. And I, 2020, it was an ass kicking year for me too. And I'm very humbled and just so appreciative of your vulnerability and transparency because I learned I was faking it till I make it and always looking for that next award or success. Mm -hmm. So that's Absolutely. what I got out of what you shared today too. Anything else that, that you want to, you know, share about why that's in your bio and why that's important for you, our visitor, or our listeners to hear today. I think, I think you, you wrapped it up there pretty good because life's not fair, right? I mean, I can be on the outside looking at your life or someone else's life going, well, damn, she's got all the trappings that I want. Well, she worked for them. She earned them. She got out there and she busted her hump. You know, the only reason you don't have it is because you're not taking the action and you're not moving yourself forward. It's it's very easy to uh, quarterback from the couch, right? Oh, your team is <laughs> losing. Well, if they'd have done this or if they'd have done that, well, we'd have won the game. Well, maybe not. Who knows? Get in there and play the game and find out. There you go. That's awesome. And just so you guys know, um, you can find uh, Tracy Brinkman at his website, darkhorseschooling.com. I know, Tracy, you have a really cool um, podcast program coming up. Do you want to give him a, a teaser about what's coming up for you? And obviously, you guys can go check out his website at darkhorseschooling.com. But speak on that really quick, and then we'll we'll do our final wrap up. 
Sure. I've got, like I was telling you, probably about two weeks, uh, maybe three weeks tops out. Got a uh, podcast guesting course that's going to come out. So it's going to be all about doing what we're doing here, right? It's a it's a great venue for getting your message, your your content, your programs out there in the public. But there's a there's a good way to do it and a not so good way to do it. So we're going to try and help people get educated on the good way to do it so they can leverage it and as well as give back to the host that allows them onto their platform. So many people want to go on there and then say, thank you for your time and then disappear from the landscape. Yeah, that's probably not a good way to do it. So. I love it. Thank you for that. Cause I didn't tell you guys this, um, Tracy, you've been podcasting since 2009. Like before it was really yeah. huge. Before it was right. Cool. <laughs> and why did yes. you start a podcast? I mean, I know you went through Toastmasters. Obviously, you have a lot to share and a lot to give, but what what made you start podcasting and why did you call it Dark Horse? Well, I, my this is actually my second podcast. My original podcast was Success DNA. And uh, I started doing it as a way to share uh, all the uh, self-development and personal development, self-help tips and tricks that I had accumulated over the years since the loss of my daughter. All those things that kept me from going back to that dark place and started that rocket ride in corporate America. I mean, there was one phase in my corporate America career that I got five promotions in three years. So, and it was all from all these tips and putting them into action and executing against them. So I was like, you know what? I got to share this with other people. And that started that podcast that ran for about three years. And then, you know, uh, I was going through that messy divorce and like, I felt like such a poser getting on the microphone saying, Hey, here's all the great ways to keep amazing life. Meanwhile, I got all this shit going on. Right. So I hung up that (laughs) microphone for a little while while I got myself together. And, uh, you know, not too long ago, I felt like, okay, it's time to pick up the microphone again. And I, I, picked the dark horse entrepreneur because I think we all feel like a dark horse at some time in our lives. And for me, that dark horse is that person that can win the race. They just have to get to the starting gate and go, right? They can get there. They can win place or show. You know what? Even if they come in last place, they still ran the damn race. They ran their race. They got out there and they got their rewards from winning the race. Even if that's just the pride to say, you know what? I ran the damn race right on. So that's why I picked the dark horse entrepreneur. It resonated with me and it seems to click with a number of other folks as well. I love it. Uh, as a, as a former marathoner, um, and, and I just love that, that name too, because I believe anyone has the ability to overcome like you've done so many times. And it is about that reflection, taking action, not analysis, mm-hmm. paralysis, and allowing fear to hold you back. Um, I have one last question for you. I just want to give a huge shout out to our guest today, Sean Waite. Uh, I love this live from tropical Minnesota. Not so sure about that, Sean, but thanks for sharing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have um, Marianne Laporte. She's uh, there out in uh, amazing Philippines. Donna Willis, who's in Houston, Texas. So thank you guys for tuning in live. Just a couple of reminders and announcements. If you aren't already in the group inside of Facebook and you want to connect with Tracy and his amazing journey and his story and his powerful upcoming podcast guest course, um, come inside of Healthy and Wealthy and Wise 
the water's warm. Um, it's, it's like Cabo every day inside of there where you, you're really actually just having fun with a bunch of like-minded people. And of course, last but not least, and Tracy's really excited about this. I want to announce next Wednesday is the fifth anniversary of the death of Prince. How many of us remember where we were? I was in Walt Disney world with my son at the buzz Lightyear ride and I got the news and like the rest of the day here I am in the happiest place in the world and I went up to total strangers and said did you hear did you hear the news and I think I told about 50 people that day that that Prince died and I I'm, I'm bringing on two people that worked with Prince who were in part of his tribe moved to Minneapolis actually because he lived there uh, and so how he touched many people's lives and you know, had his own journey um, with opioids. When we talk about addiction, you know, it's everyone has gone through different experiences, no matter who you are. Um, we're here to support and encourage you here in healthy and wealthy and wise. So again, if you guys saw value today, please hit the share button. Um, and, and with that, Tracy, I always ask a closing question for all of my guests, and I'm super excited to hear your answer. When you hear the phrase healthy and wealthy and wise, what does it mean for you, Tracy? Oh man, you know, it actually, it, wow. It actually goes all the way back to being mindful of what it is you're doing to move yourself forward. So are you eating the right things? And you know what? Don't, don't get me wrong. I love me a good piece of cake. I love my ice cream, right? But if that's all you're eating, not very healthy, right? And, and then the wealthy part comes from, I think what we were referring to earlier, just taking those steps and moving forward. Um, I used to use the phrase in all my emails, think successfully. And then I thought, okay, that's only half the battle. So now, and for probably about the past decade and a half, uh, I sign off like I do in my podcast, think successfully and take action. And therein mm -hmm. comes the wise. Yeah. Yeah, wisdom is the application of that knowledge, not just keep on reading books and feeling good about it. That's that's an addiction. Personal development is also an addiction that I, I'm recovering on that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, that was amazing. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Today was a very powerful episode. Please, you know, 2020 was a big year for a lot of people going through a lot of the things that actually Tracy touched on today and just remembering that ultimately you are worthy. You are enough. You are deserving of the best health, the best wealth, and of course the wisdom to always look back, reflect and course correct along the way. So until next time, guys have an amazing week. See you next Wednesday for the Prince tribute 4 PM Pacific time. Um, bring your Kleenexes. It's going to be an extra long show and we're going to, we're going to commemorate um, the man who touched many of our lives. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye-bye for now. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, refer a friend, and please drop me a rating or a review. If you do that, I'll reward you with a free 20-minute free coaching session on crafting your journey to your best self. Reach out to me at lois at loiskofi.com to claim your 20-minute slot. Until next time, be healthy, wealthy, and wise.